Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And if you're joining us online, I invite you to kind of follow along with, uh, with the, the exercise. And so what I want you to do is for the next minute or so, I want you to take, a, take some time and, and think about a, a name. And, and maybe you already know a name, and it's somebody maybe recently that you've had a recurring thought about them or, or you ran into them somewhere, or maybe you just had a thought and thought, oh man, I wonder what's going on with them and their life. And, and so at the end of our time together, I'll give you a little further instructions, but let's take about a minute and, and think of someone. I'll give you a little more direction. How about that? Uh, it is maybe not someone who owes you money. Let me, let me make sure I clarify a little bit more. It's someone who you sense that God has put on your heart, on your mind, that maybe you need to connect with. How about that? Let, let, me, let me be a little more specific in that. So let's take about a minute or so, a minute and a half, and just pray about that, think about that. And if, you, if a name comes to mind, write it on the card and, uh, and hold on to that card. Uh, so, okay, maybe you came up with somebody, or maybe you didn't. It's Okay. And, uh, but as, as you go along, maybe this evening or the next day or two, uh, you're just going to pay attention. Is God bringing someone to my mind? Did I run across someone? And it's going to make a little more sense at the end of our time together. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful to be together. We need time together to be encouraged, to be challenged, to hear your word, Father, and to hear from you. I pray for everyone watching this online today that your spirit is crossing the boundaries of time and space to encourage them to speak to them where they are just as the Lord will speak to us here in in the room so Lord we open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us in Jesus name we pray this amen and amen you know, last week, one of the, the, the characteristics as I, as I began to think about Ruth was this idea. It just hit me all of a sudden that, man, uh, I, as a follower of Jesus, am directly connected to the story. There are some things in the scriptures where we think, yeah, it, that's a great story or that's a fantastic thing that's happening in the Bible, but I don't see the connection sometimes. But in Ruth, I, I, I think we can see a direct connection. So, for example, in Matthew chapter 1, we see the genealogy of Jesus, and, and, and the story that we are engaged here in the Discovery Point is directly related to Christ, which in turn is directly related to us. So that's what's exciting, I think, about the story and about our time together in the book of Ruth. This weekend, we're in chapter 2, so if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn there. I'm going to be reading uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and I'm going to read through verse 13. Verse 1 says, Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband Elimelech. One day Ruth a Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, All right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out and she began to gather grain behind the harvesters and as it happened, she found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz. He was a relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, and he greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. 
The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked the foreman, who's the young woman over there? Uh, who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, well, she's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes of rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and he said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you're thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked Boaz. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know, I know about everything that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I heard how you left your father and your mother and your own land to live among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope to continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. What an amazing story. It's a beautiful story. And it has so many implications of our lives as followers of Jesus. And so I just want to take a moment and, and just extract some things from the story. And it begins with a guy named Boaz. And uh, Boaz is, a, is an interesting character. You know, back in the day, uh, I used to watch this show, uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Now, some of you aren't that old. I understand that. Uh, some of us are that old. A guy named Robin Leach, he would visit all of these high, flashy, wealthy uh, people, and it was something along the lines of, of, of champagne, caviar, what is it now? You guys don't remember it too. So anyway, yes, but it was about lifestyles of the rich and famous, and as I, as I think of Boaz, and I, I look at how he is described in verse 1, I'm like, this guy was a candidate to be on the lifestyles of the rich and famous. And notice what the author tells us about Boaz, right? Uh, first of all, his names mean strength is within him. That's what the name means. So, but, but he uses some other descriptive terms in, in verse 1. He, he says, first of all, that NLT says he's an influential man. Actually, it should say he, he's a man, a, a mighty man. He, he's a man of courage. He's a, he's a man of valor. That's the thought behind uh, that term. He, he, he's a courageous man. He's a man of valor. He he, he was, he's like a modern-day knight. And, and then it says he's a wealthy man. I mean, it just comes right out and says, Boaz was wealthy. Now, as you think about wealth, don't just think about Boaz as a man with deep pockets. The word actually goes beyond that. It, it means something deeper than that. The Hebrew word means he's a, he's a man of force. He, 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 it, it's this all-encompassing word to, to speak to. Was Boaz wealthy? likely he was, but it goes much, much deeper than that. And, and then he says he is a relative of Elimelech. Now, we don't know what the relationship was between he and Elimelech, which was Naomi's deceased husband. It could be some believe that they were brothers, some think that they were cousins, but all we know is that they were related. So as I think about this man named Boaz, I see some other things in the passage I think are, are important for us to see about his life. And one of those things is that the scripture portrays him as a godly man. 
I mean, he is a godly man. And we know that because in the story, we know that Boaz is a believer in Yahweh and that he lives his life under the guidance and obedience and laws of the scripture. So, for example, in Leviticus chapter 19, there is, a, there is this gleaning guidance, if you will, uh, for the poor, for the foreigner. And we know that Boaz is implementing that in his daily life. That's exactly what we see him doing. So he, he's a man that obeys God's laws. He, he's, he's a godly man. Then he's a kind man. In the story, we see that he, he shows up, he comes out of Bethlehem, and maybe Boaz has a Bentley. I don't know what he's rolling in, but he rolls up to the field, right? And he, he gets out or the Bentley or the chariot or whatever he's traveling in. He walks out into the field, and then he greets those that are harvesting, right? The workers, those who are in it, who are, who are harvesting the, the barley and the grain. He, he greets them with a blessing, and they, in turn, bless him as well. And, and so he, he treats those that are working with him and probably for him with dignity, with honor, with kindness. Uh, then he notices there's a young lady that's joined the troops, right? There, there's another crew member. And so we see him begin a conversation with Ruth. And so we see in the story that Boaz, this man of kindness, is treating Ruth with protection and provision. So he has a lot going on, right? This guy has, has a lot going on. He's a godly man. He's a kind man. And in the story, all those things begin to surface, and we begin to see the character of Boaz. This is like first impression kind of stuff, and we'll see much more about him as we move through the book. Uh, yesterday, I was uh, at a local grocery store, and I was making my way trying to find a parking spot close to the door. I don't know if you try that from time to time. I do. And have, in fact, from time to time, prayed for a good parking spot. And, uh, and so I was driving around, and, and I spotted one just one spot away uh, from a handicapped spot. You know, it was a solid spot. And so I, as I make my way down the aisle of, of the grocery store in the parking lot, I notice a big, big truck. Like a big truck. There's a lot of big trucks in our area. And with all the snow we have, that's, we probably need those. Uh, there are big trucks in the area. And so I noticed this, this giant pickup, four-door. And, and it was parked on the other side. And it was parked uh, in two handicapped spots. You know, there were two handicapped spots. And it was, it was actually crossways in the handicapped spots. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. There, there's been an accident. Something's gone wrong. And so I saw the big truck and I'm like, and then I'm like, yeah, I, I got to do something about this. You know, that somebody's going to need that spot. And, and so I, I pull into my spot and, and I get out of my smaller truck <laughs> and, and I get out of my smaller truck and I make my way around the back of the vehicle that was in between uh, me and, and the other spots uh, for the handicap. And as I make, make my way around the back of that vehicle, I noticed a man and, and looked like it was two children. I'm assuming they were her ki his kids. And they were helping a gentleman in one of the battery-powered shopping carts load his groceries into his car. And after they did that, they made their way back to the giant truck that was illegally parked on the other side of the parking aisle. And, and just for a moment, as I made my way past the man who was in the battery-powered shopping cart. And as I got closer to him, he, of course, he, had a, he was a veteran and, and, you know, he just needed help. And I, I thought, well, what an interesting act of kindness. You know, I, I saw something totally different. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to take, take matters in my own hands and 
I'm going to say something and somebody's got to move the truck. And all of a sudden I begin to realize the man who owned the truck is the man who is being kind to the man in the battery operated shopping cart. And I thought, I'm sure his kids, that had to register, right? That, that act of kindness, that act of character, that going out of my way, that illegal parking to help another human being. Boaz was a kind man, and the scripture talks about his kindness here. And as, as men, I just want to challenge the men, as, as men, I pray that we look at Boaz as an example of a godly man, a man of inner strength, a man of character, a man who keeps his word, a man who is kind, a man who is faithful, a man who is godly. That's what I see in the life of Boaz. Oswald Chambers says this, and I love this quote. He says, it is not what a man does that is of final importance, but what he is and what he does. The atmosphere produced by a man, much more than his activities, has the lasting influence. Man, that's been something in my life. I think about men in my life over the, my life's journey, and, and I, it wasn't so much what they were doing. It wasn't their career. It was who they were in what they did. And so we're introduced to Boaz. This is kind of that first impressions. We're going to learn more about him later. But we also have Ruth. I, I want to talk just a moment here more about Ruth, who was this Moabite young woman whose, whose husband had died in Moab, and she comes back uh, to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law. And, and, and now we get to see a little bit more about Ruth's life. And so I want to point out three things about Ruth that I think are valuable to us. First of all, I want us to see that in Ruth, we see God's faithful providence, right? We, we see God's faithful providence. Now, what do I mean by that? We know that when Ruth and Naomi came back from Moab last week at the end of chapter 1, Ruth is in a bad place. I don't know if you remember that. If not, go back and read it. I mean, Naomi's in a difficult place. Ruth is there. I think both of them are, are challenged time. Maybe there's some grief in their life and and, uh, and, and so it's coming out of that context, it's coming out of that time that we see what Ruth begins to do in the story. And what happens is we begin to see the faithfulness of God's providence in her life. So if you'll notice in verse 2, notice what, the, notice what the scripture says. The scripture says that one day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi said, all right, my daughter, you go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. So here we are. I, I'm sure that, that Ruth was probably coming out of a season of grieving. And, and you know what? Grieving is important. We, we need to grieve over the difficulties and the challenges and losses in our life. Grieving is important, but what I see in Ruth and the providence of God, there is a time to mourn and there is a time to move. While Naomi is hanging out, Ruth says, I'm moving, I'm going out. And as she moves out, the providence of God, the providence of God takes her to Boaz's section of a field. Now, while you're waiting on what's next, work hard on what's now. While you're waiting on what's next, work hard on what's now. Because one of the descriptive things that the, they said about Ruth is that she is a hard worker. She is working hard. And so uh, while you're waiting on what's next, 
why don't we work hard on what's now? And Ruth gets going. She gets moving. And there's something about moving and the providence of God that go hand in hand. I don't know if she knew she was in the providence of God when she show up at Boaz's field. But as the story plays out, we see that. Uh, not too long ago, we were in Texas celebrating my, my aunt's 90th birthday. Her name is Aunt Betty. And, and so we were there. And so I had other family of theirs. My Aunt Betty had two of my uncles. And, and we were in this amazing celebration of this birthday. Stuart, I think we have a picture of that. So here we are. So this is my dad's side of the family. And these are my two uncles, uh, Uncle, uh, Uncle Bill on the right, my Aunt Betty uh, in the middle that has the shirt that says, keep calm, I'm 90, and I'm awesome. That's my Aunt Betty. And then my Uncle Gary on the left. I just want to briefly mention my Uncle Bill. He's the gentleman on the right. He still lives in Kentucky. I think my Uncle Bill... I think he's about 82 years old. And as I thought about my Uncle Bill, I thought, man, this guy, he is a modern-day Boaz. Inner strength, character, has done well financially, uh, and he's related to me. <laughs> we all like that relative, right? Strong and wealthy and kind. That, that's the kind of relative that we're after. So that's my Uncle Bill. Now, my Uncle Bill, over the years, and my Aunt Sandy, I have two cousins. They have two daughters, which are my two cousins. Each one of my cousins, my uncle's daughters, each one has lost a child in an accident. My Uncle Bill and my Aunt Sandy have, have lost two grandchildren, and they were probably in their early to mid-20s uh, when they were taken by an accident. But I remember having a conversation with my Uncle Bill, and, and toward the end of the conversation, he just looked at me, and, and he's a man of wisdom, he's a man of character, he doesn't say much. But when Uncle Bill speaks, we kind of lean in and listen. And he said these words to me. He said, Greg, keep going. Keep going. And, and, and as Uncle Bill related those words to me in the moment, I thought, keep going. Keep going. Don't you see that's what Ruth is doing in the story? They're back in Bethlehem. The barley harvest has arrived. And Ruth says, I'm going to keep going. Here's what I want you to understand about God's providence. When God's people keep going, God's providence will keep guiding. As we keep going, God's providence will keep guiding. I don't know about your experience, but mine has been. Like right now in this moment, I think this is part of God's providential plan, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Has that been your experience as well? Here's Ruth. She's in a field. She's working. She's gleaning. She just stumbled onto this man's field. God's providential hand was in it the whole time. And to understand God's providence and his guiding, you and I have to keep going. Second thing I see here is in Ruth is we see God's faithful provision. Look in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 through 10. This is that, those instructions on, on gleaning, right? And, and so in Leviticus chapter 19, uh, beginning in verse 9, we're going to read verse 10 as well. The scripture says, When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields. Do not pick it up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines, and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. 
Here it is. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord, your God. As Ruth began to move, as she kept going, she experienced God's providence, but she also experienced God's provision. Did she not? She's gleaning. She's gleaning the edges. The Lord in wisdom to make sure that that foreigners and, and, and the poor and the needy were taken care of. It, it's a beautiful thing that's happening in Leviticus 19. And we see it happening in Ruth chapter 2. Here's what I know about God's faithful provision. Wherever God guides us, He provides for us. As He guides, He provides. And we see the provision of God in Ruth's life. The last thing that we see in the passage that I just want to extract is this. In Ruth, we see like this proper perspective. We see this life-changing perspective. It's as if when Ruth understood uh, the, prov- the, the, the providential work of God, and when she believed in the, in the provision of God, that brought her to a whole new perspective. There is nothing more life-changing than a godly perspective. So uh, let me unpack this here just for a moment. I want you to look with me in verse 10. The author tells us this. This is after Ruth is at a conversation with Boaz, and this is what she says. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked Boaz. I am only a foreigner. It's as if Ruth isn't asking, why are all the hard things happening to me? Why all the bad things? Ruth Ruth actually flips the script, and her perspective is not asking why all the hard things happening to me, why are all the good things happening to me? Why am I so blessed? Why is God so good to me? Why has God entered into my life, and why has He led me to this point? And, 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 and why is God so kind to me? What a perspective. Isn't that a life-changing perspective? I don't know about you, but generally I look at things and like, well, well, why the hard thing? Why the difficult thing? What if we looked at life like Ruth in gratitude, right? And said, why is God so good to me? Why is he so good to me? She was floored by the goodness of God. She, she can't believe it. I mean, look what she does. She, she falls at Boaz's feet and, and she thanks him. She's, she's gracious. What, what have I done to deserve such kindness you let me glean in your field I get a drink of water and and she is blown away by the good things in her life what a perspective right what a what a change of perspective in Ruth's life and so I want to look at a couple passages on gratitude and this is so important is that gratitude changes everything about our life gratitude changes everything it's so important. We see it in Ruth's life. So, so what if we took Ruth's perspective and said, you know what? Yeah, we're not denying that difficult things happen and that we have challenges in this life. We're not denying that. But what if we looked at it from a different perspective and said, hmm, why is God so good to me? Why all the goodness? Do you think that would change how we live life, how we approach life? Do you think that would change our perspective on life? Why has God been so good to me. What have I done that, that God has reached out and been so kind to me? Look at what Paul says in, in the book of Colossians chapter 1. He says this. Look at what Paul says. 
He says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in his inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Look at this. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Always thanking the Father. Always thanking the Father. Always thanking the Father. Ruth's perspective is phenomenal. She had every right. She had every right. She was hurting, probably grieving. She got moving when she got moving. She experienced God's providence. She experienced His provision, and it changed her perspective. She was gracious of God's goodness in her life. Last passage, 1 Thessalonians. I love this passage. This is one to memorize. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. Isn't that powerful? Because sometimes we're like, well, what's, what's God's will? What's God want me to do? He actually wants us to be something before we do something. So let's be joyful, let's be prayerful, and let's be thankful. So when we're confused about God's will, what do we do? We respond with with gratitude. We're thankful, we're joyful, and we're prayerful. I want to close our time tonight, and and I want you to see something here at the end of the story that we just read uh, in our our passages tonight. most believe it is a prayer that Boaz is praying for Ruth. It's, it's found in verse 12. It's found in verse 12. Look at what Boaz says. And again, it, it's a blessing. Some believe that it's a prayer. He says this. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Prayer blessing. Here's the kicker. Boaz is praying a prayer for Ruth that he is the answer to. I want you to think about that. He is praying for her, and ultimately we will see he's the answer to the prayer that he prays for Ruth. Isn't that amazing? He's praying for her when all along God uses him to answer that prayer. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your card. Maybe you, maybe you wrote a name. Maybe you didn't. It's okay. Maybe you're thinking about someone. All right. Maybe God brought someone to your mind and, and you need to think through that. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's an estranged friend. Maybe it's an enemy. Maybe it's someone that, that God's put on your, your, your mind and your heart, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray. That's, that's the first point. I want you to pray for them. You may not know what to pray, but I want you to just pray. And then as you begin praying for that person, I want you in, in, in the spirit, in, the, in this redemptive, kind spirit of Boaz, I want you to think maybe 
the prayer that I'm praying for them, God will use me to be the answer to that prayer. Because I've done it right. I'm like, hey, man, somebody will tell me a need or something going on. I'm like, I'm praying for you. At no point did I ever think, wait a second, I'm not only praying for them, but maybe God's going to use me to be the answer to that prayer. So as you pray for others, pray in a spirit of God, how will you use me? And Boaz prays this prayer. It's a prayer of blessing over Ruth. And again, in chapter 3, we see the prayer is answered, and lo and behold, the prayer that he prays. He's the answer to the prayer. October uh, traditionally is Pastor Appreciation Month. And uh, last Sunday, after church, after second service, uh, Sharon and I, we, we made our way home. And when we, we pulled up toward our house, uh, we, we could see these, these little figures in our front yard. And, and we pulled in, we're like, well, what, what are those things in our front yard? And, and how do they get there? And we thought, well, you know, something's going on. And so as we got a little closer, I should have brought one in. Uh, they're, they're, little, they're little sheep. I don't know if you can see them. They're, they're, they're little tiny sheep. And, and, and you see we have multiple sheep in the front yard. I'm sure the neighbors are like, dude, what's going on over there at those guys' house, right? I mean, they think we're weird already, but when this stuff happens, they know we've, we've lost it. So there's all these little sheep. And, and so we pull in and, and we start looking at our sheep and, and we notice that on each sheep, they've been signed by somebody. Somebody signed their own sheep. And, and, and it was just a, a, a nifty, creative, cool way. And they did this for all, all, all the pastors, I think. I'm not sure Pastor Ron, I probably shouldn't say that. I think he probably got something. I know Rod did. I know Gregory did. I'm sure Ron got a lot of sheep. People love Pastor Ron, and rightfully so. But we got sheep, and, and people wrote their names and a little encouraging message on there, and and uh, it was this idea of, you know what, when I saw the names that were on the sheep, I knew those people are praying for Sharon and I and this ministry. But they went a step further, not only praying, they went a step further and they blessed us in the prayer that we were praying by a simple, creative, thoughtful moving idea. In all my years of serving as a pastor, I've never been sheeped. We just got sheeped. I know Gre Gregory hit us up. I'm like, man, did you guys get sheeped? You're like, we got sheeped. I saw there's an article with Pastor Rod on the back table. He's standing with his sheep. He, he, like, he, was, he was hanging out with his sheep. So it was a cool, it's one of those things, right? So when God brings someone to your mind, all right, all right, saying, okay, I'm praying for them. Take it a step further. Maybe God wants to use you to answer that prayer and to bless them. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.